you guys know that our, our family is going through so much. And I, I was like, I feel bad every time I get up because I'm going to, all these things that are going through my mind and the things that I've been thinking about and the things and the verses that I've been reading and the things that God's been doing on my heart and mind. And I ended up giving you the overflow. So you're like, he's probably going to talk about his son again. Yes, I'm going to be talking about my son a lot. It's heavy on my heart. It's heavy on everything that we do. And uh, I came across a passage that really had a big impact on my heart, and I, I just wanted to share it with you guys. And we, um, we have an app, or Jenny has an app on her phone uh, with the, the hospital that has all of Logan's records. It has all of his information. It used to be funny where if you went to the doctor, you'd have to flip through a file and pull it out, and now we just instantly get it on our cell phones. Well, the other day we found a tab that actually had information about the size of his tumor. We were like, well, we knew the size because we asked the doctor and he's kind of like, well, it's like, you know, he's trying to lay it out. But the, the size of the tumor was in centimeters. And so we got curious and we pulled out a pad of paper and we're writing and jotting all the numbers down and stuff. And Jenny was like, well, let me convert that from centimeters to inches. And the width of it, or the length of it is it's seven inches long. It's five and a half inches wide, and it's three and a half inches thick. So I don't know what we have that we could kind of compare that to, other than the fact that I can say it started off being really big. Uh, the doctors were always amazed because when we would go to um, the hospital checkups, chemo and all that other stuff, they'd be like, well, we need you to lay down there. Oh, never mind. I forgot you can't lay down. And Logan was like, I, I can lay down fine. And they were like, you can lay down? They said most people, even that don't even have that size mass, cannot lay down on their back because of the pressure of the tumor in that location. So God's really blessed us to be able to have better results and things of most people in that situation. But then we go to OSU, and I know some of you guys have heard this already, and we're like, we're ready for our battle plan of like, get this out. We're going to have the surgery and everything's going to be fine and all this. And then they, they broke the news to us. They said, well, we think by studying this, and we're not really for sure because we've not yet totally diagnosed this cancer, but this is an invading cancer. And I'm thinking, I hope the word invading doesn't mean what I think it means, but it means that it, 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 it attaches to whatever it goes around and things. And, and, but they don't know. Uh, God knows they don't know. God knows. And, and that's why we keep praying that, that God allows the cancer to pull away from his heart and things. But just being real, I, I can get up here as a, as a father and, and as a pastor and my mind is conflicted because it's like, do you believe? Yes, I believe. And then and human nature is you start looking at the size and what they're saying, the stats. And one thing that I challenge you never to do if you're ever in a situation like mine, don't look up Google for anything, okay? Just don't Google anything. Doom and gloom and despair and, and depression and just is terrible. But... And it's the true thing that it affects your mind. You begin to uh, just get defeated. The more defeated you are in your mind that something seems to be too big or too out of control or, or too impossible. And in our minds, we can stop praying because this is human nature to be like, well, what does it matter? It's, it's out of my hands. It's, there's nothing that I can do. And so there's, there's a spiritual warfare that breaks out. There's, there's your, your flesh that you're battling with against the spirit. And the Bible talks about your flesh against the spirit. We have this battle that we have. And it's just, 
it's hard. It's, there, there's so many emotions that you go through. And, and you say, Pastor Tony, have the, through the course of this, have you ever had a spot where you doubted? Yes. And it's not that I doubt that God's real. It's not that, doubt God, you know, that God is able or whatever. I mean, I know that. But we, we, we question if it's going to be the will of God that God heals him. Are we going to question what? And it's just human nature to go through that. And I'm going to say when we hit problems in our lives that just seems to be huge, or maybe you've come up against certain things. You said, man, I've knocked this out. And God's blessed in this way. But there's some things that I hit. It's just like, wow, I can't get this to budge. I can't get over this. I can't get past this. This is too much. Let me lay it out for you. Some of you, it might be problems with your kids. You have the burden for your kids. You, you love your kids and maybe they leave the house or they get older and they, they start telling you that they're struggling with issues or I don't know if there's a God or I don't want to go back to church or uh, maybe they get wrapped up in addictions and you're thinking, man, I've, I've pleaded, I've asked, I've talked, I've dragged, I've convinced, I've given them the lecture, I've raised you better than that, you know better than that and I can't do one thing in my power to change this. I know it is this way with some people in their marriages. Man, you just, it, it just, it's, it's dead or there's no, there's no love, there's no romance, there's no, it's, it's dying out. You're, you try everything that you can, but the, the, the other person is just not interested or you're, you're thinking in the back of your mind, we're on the verge of divorce and I can't do anything to make this difference. This happens with people with addictions. I guarantee you in this room right now, there's people here that have dealt with things for years and years and years that maybe nobody even knows about. I've tried to quit this, or you try to get over this, or I try to let go of alcohol in my life, or I try to get over smoking, or I try to, but it's that one thing that, man, I feel like it just has a grip on me and I cannot overcome it. And I, and I, and I know that these things create doubts in our minds and you say, we don't, we don't struggle with doubt. Okay. Let's, let's just do a survey here. And I believe that God could bring a revival to our church. Does anybody else, would you say, testify, Pastor Johnny, I believe that God can bring revival to our church. Raise your hand right now. Okay. Don't raise your hand on this next one. How many of you have been fervently praying for God to bring revival to our church? Do you guys see what I'm saying? And if you have not because you asked not, and God says that you are able to do it, have we gone to the point where it's easier to be like, oh yeah, God can do it, and God's able, and I, I believe that God is the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Man, man the, my God, that's who you are. And then God said, well, then, then come ask me. Ask me for revival. Ask me to work in your kids. But something gets in our minds, and maybe we don't even identify, but this cloud of doubt, which we're like, well, that's just too big, or that's too much, or that just cannot happen. Even for uh, America to see revival in our churches, revival in our families, we're like, I don't even know what that looks like anymore. Pray for it. I don't, I don't even know what I'm praying for. It's doubt that invades our minds. These are real issues. I see the Bible. Do you realize that the Bible is given to us to teach us who God is and what he does? You realize that the children of Israel came to a wall uh, many times. They came to um, the Red Sea. They could not get through. And they're sitting there going and scratching their heads. And everything that I could possibly figure out, there is absolutely no way that we can possibly get across this. 
So in their minds, they turn to, to Moses and say, we would have been better off to die back there than to die being confronted with this wall that we could not do. Well, you guys know the rest of the story. God made a way when there seemed to be no way. They come up against the walls of Jericho. There's no way that we can get through this. There's no way we can conquer the city. Or conquer the city. God drops the walls of Jericho. God made a way when there seemed to be no way. God dropped that barrier when there seemed to be no way to do it. Joseph's thrown in the pit. Completely different scenario. He's stuck in prison. He can't get out. There's nothing that he could do. There's no words. There's no money. There's no people. There's no resources. God pulls him out in a unique way and puts him in the authority over that nation in a way when he thought it was impossible. I could take you to Esther that uh, when Haman was going to destroy their people and they were coming to threaten them and to, to literally devastate their people in that way, to have this massacre. And she goes before the people and they fast and pray over this. And God does a miraculous intervention that changed the circumstances. He realized that the Bible is more than a storybook. It's a testimony to who our God is. And what our God does, and now don't get me wrong, I, I, I know that God works in different dispensations of different times, okay, uh, of praying down fire from heaven, you know, with Elijah, and, uh, and I'm not saying that God will work that way. You can't get mad at your neighbor and be like, God, do something right now, you know, it's like, God doesn't necessarily work in those ways. We have the Spirit of God that works through us and does powerful things. There's a story in the Bible that teaches us so much. I've been reading through Psalms. And I've been reading through the Gospels. And those are two places that I bounce back and forth that's brought me comfort through our situation. The scribes are standing there. They're arguing or debating or questioning the disciples. There's a bunch of people around there. They're all there in an uproar. Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration. He was coming off the Mount. He's walking into this mess. He walks into the disciples and we walk into this story. I just want to learn some things that Jesus was teaching us about a breakthrough. And, and I think this is important for us to understand because I know every one of our situations is different. You'd sit there and say, yeah, but, but I, couldn't, I couldn't, if we sat here today and had a line of people coming up to me saying, well, here's what I've been praying for. And <clears throat> I can't give the answers of the, the no's or why you have the wall or why you don't have a breakthrough. But I can just lead you to scripture and tell you what Jesus says. And by the way, as a pastor, that's my, what my job is to do <laughs> anyways. Just lead you to the word and let's, let's just see what God says and what God does. And it says in Mark 9, 14, and when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning them. So Jesus walks right into this situation and straightway the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed and running to salute him and saluted him. And, and he, which is Jesus, asked the scribes, he brings up this question, what, what question ye with them? And in the, in the crowd, this dad steps forward. The commotion was about this dad. The disciples were there healing and doing all the different things that Jesus taught them to do. This one dad brings this boy that had a really, really, really bad problem. And the disciples could not heal him. And all of a sudden, all this doubt and frustration and all these questions start invading these people. And they're like, what is going on? The scribes speak up and they're like, oh, so you serve the great God and you're able to do this. And I thought, you gathered these people around and now you can't even heal him? Why do you claim that you have the power of God? And all these things are happening in this passage. They're questioning them. Jesus calls him out. And somebody says, the dad, which was the guy that they were all questioning about, one of the multitude answered and said, Master... 
I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. Whether so he, he taketh him, he teareth him, and foameth, and he gnashes with his teeth, and he pineth away. I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. They couldn't do it. You know, you're just thinking, these are the disciples of Jesus Christ. And I'm like, man, I have a desperate problem. I brought my son, and I just needed your help. That's what I needed. I just needed your help. Let me tell you, if I was in that situation, I could feel. I, I'm not even this dad, but I could tell you, I could feel the urgency. I could feel the frustration. I could be like, like man, Jesus is the answer, and he's the one, and he can do this, and I promise God can, and all this. And then to walk away saying, man, this doesn't work. What a joke. What a joke, and the, and the scribes, they were jumping right in on this, and it's like, oh, so I, we've been saying this for a long time, that this man is not what he says to be, and all this division and arguing, Satan loves this. He loves the breed doubt. He loves for it to get in our minds and say, man, God can't bring revival, or God's not going to reach your kid, or your marriage is going to be stuck like that, or you may as well just embrace that uh, the addiction. That's just who you are. Your, your parents were that way, and your, 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 your dad was an alcoholic, or your mom struggled with this and anxiety. That's just who you are. It's what you have for the rest of your life, and it gets stuck in your head. You don't believe me? I promise you right now, every one of us in here can talk about things in our life that we say, man, God is able, but man, this hasn't worked. I don't get this. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand. Later, Jesus explains the the doubt. He answered and said unto them, and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring, bring them unto me. I'm sure the disciples approach this with confidence. You know what I'm saying? Because that's, what, hey, we're Christians, man. We, we have the Bible and we know the verses and we know the quotes and we share the memes on Facebook and all the cool sayings and all that stuff and hashtag God is good, hashtag God is real. You know, it's easy to do that until you come up against something that's really, 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 really complicated or seems so big like Jericho Walls or the Red Sea or cancer. And then Satan's like sitting there going, this is my opportunity. I, 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 can, I can step into his heart. I can step into his mind. I know that this is a difficult thing right there. So I don't know what happened to the disciples. You just... Thinking there, but I know later that Jesus said, this can't come but by fasting and praying. And it says, oh, faithless generation. And he confronted the doubt. So somewhere along, this boy, maybe in line or whatever, they bring him out. And he's standing there. And then the demon, that even when Jesus confronts him, he begins to show himself. He throws himself to the ground. He begins to snarl and, and do foam at the mouth. And you can imagine that would be a pretty scary sight. And I can imagine the disciples as they're standing there saying, all right, men, let's gather around, let's pray. And then he starts maybe making the noises or whatever. And they're like, whoa, oh, did you see that, Peter? Man, I, I heard voices. Man, this is really bad. And all of a sudden, they're like, Lord, just get us out of here. And I, man, I, have you ever been in a situation where like, man, this is just really bad? Yeah, I, I don't, I can't comprehend how this could possibly work out. And you have that conversation with your spouse about your finances, like, Hey, we know that with God all things are possible. And then you begin to add it up and you're like, honey, even if you take every overtime that they offer you and even if you start working the weekends and even if I start watching kids on the side, we're not going to make it. And all that faith 
And that confidence begins to take a step back and being like, man, I just, it just does not make sense. It doesn't add up. And this dad is walking away discouraged that nothing happened. And he answered him and said, oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long am I going to suffer? How long am I going to be patient with you? Bring them unto me. This faithless is the Greek word that means it's a lack of trust. It literally means that I, I, I hit something and then in my mind, I'm no longer thinking way maker, miracle worker. I'm thinking this just isn't going to happen. And that happens in all of our lives. There's just things that we just throw up our hands because in our minds it just doesn't make sense. In Mark 9, 20, and they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. Okay, I'd imagine this is the same thing that he did when he went up to the disciples. So it was like, whoa, okay, this is pretty serious stuff that we're dealing with. But notice what Jesus does. And this is what I want to do. I'm just... I just want to study Jesus. I think sometimes we can come up with really fancy outlines and say creative things, but I just want to study what Jesus did. I just want to look at what Jesus was taught them and what he pulled out of this thing. And he, and, and he says in verse 21, and he asked his father, how long, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said of a child. Isn't that a weird thing to do? I mean, all these things are happening and Jesus is standing there and this boy foaming out the mouth and throwing himself and making the noises and all this stuff. And Jesus turns to the, the parents and says, can I ask you guys, how long has this been going on? And it's not like Jesus had to do the math on the miracle. Like, let's see, like I need, you know, it's not like he's limited. It wasn't a matter of that. But the fact is that they came and they were brokenhearted and this is their child. And Jesus in this passage begins to ask the parents, what have you gone through? What are you dealing with? What's on your hearts? It's a matter of Jesus showing. They, they were saying from, from a child, Jesus already knew that. Jesus was proven that he cares He's proven how long this has been going on and how long this has been weighing on them. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.15, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Can, can I, can I make, just lay something out here before you start drawing conclusion about wherever you're at in life? Can I tell you this, that God cares about you when you're hurt? God cares about what you're dealing with. God cares about the pain that you have. God cares about the fact that you've fallen down so many times saying, God, I don't get this, and God, I don't see you working, and it just doesn't make sense. God cares. You can imagine as the mom and dad are welling up in tears, and the Bible tells us that they had tears later in this passage. They're just filled with emotion. He says, how long has this been happening? But notice what happened time, uh, happens next. Verse 22, he begins just to pour his heart out. <laughs> you can imagine this dad. Man, it's been so hard. This isn't just people, like, we read the stories, just flannel graph of sticking them on the thing. These are real people, real dads, real moms, real problems. He says, and oftentimes he cast himself into the fire and into water to destroy him. He literally starts expressing, he says, do you understand that whatever my son has, whatever this problem is, is constantly trying to kill him. It's the first thing that when, when they're explaining that, 
that the burden on the heart of the mom and dad is the fact that we're going to end up losing our child that we love so much because this thing keeps trying to throw him into whatever thing to, to, to take his life, to destroy him through this. And then he pauses. You can imagine this mom and dad standing there in this desperate, broken. And then they turn and they finish the verse or they finish the phrase that they say. And li- listen to these words. They're just being transparent and honest before God. And they said, and if thou canst, do anything. Have compassion on us and help us. Now, now this shows so much. This is, this is where we're talking about, I can't get a breakthrough. I can't, I can't, I, I, what, what's going on? Why are we still held back? Why is nothing working? Why is it that God keeps shutting the door? If you can. Notice what Jesus says. It's like, if I can it's like you're not even approaching me with who I am and he said unto him if thou canst believe all things are possible to him that believeth and straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears Lord I believe help thou mine unbelief we need a breakthrough first thing that we have to do is we have to begin by dealing with the doubt now, I'm going to tell you right now that this is a true thing for every single one of us right there. And this man, you know what Jesus was doing? He was pulling it out of him. Did you notice that? Jesus is pulling it out of him. He said, if I can, what, what, are, you, what are you asking here? Who are you asking here? Who, what, what power are you tapping into? Like, I went to the disciples and that didn't work. And we went to this witch doctor and that didn't work. And now I'm standing before you. Jesus said, don't put me in the same category as everybody else. Do you understand, if if you understand that I am the one that can do the impossible, I am the King of kings and the Lord of lords, I am the Son of God. It's a barrier that they're standing in front of. It's easy to say, I believe. Man, I love how this man says it. He was transparent before God. He said, I believe. Now, isn't that a weird way to say it? I believe, help my unbelief. It's like, what a weird thing to say. I believe, but I don't believe. I believe, but man, I don't get this. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna just throw this out. You guys wanna pray that God helps us with a breakthrough? I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. How many of you would say, Pastor Tony, to be honest, as I sit in the church today, I sometimes will struggle with doubt. Raise your hand. Thank you for being honest in church. I struggle with doubt. I, I, I can struggle if I Google something. I can struggle as I'm walking out of OSU. I can struggle. And you say, man, you str- are you struggling believing that God is who he is? No, I, sometimes Satan just, man, you've prayed for other people. Or why would God this be any different? Or you, you guys know what I'm saying? The spiritual battle that goes on in our minds. The reason why Jesus brought this out in Scripture for us to address the fact that, yes, we are going to struggle, and yes, we doubt. It's not so much the struggle, because uh, I was talking to Mark about this last week, and me and him were talking about this. He said, have you ever thought about the fact that faith and doubt are are part of the same package? Because you could not have faith without doubt. If it was something, if there wasn't a struggle, you wouldn't need faith. You wouldn't have to step on it. It would be a guarantee. But for the fact that it's there. So in our flesh and in our spirit, we're constantly going back and forth. What makes the difference of which one's going to win? And the Bible is very clear. There's a passage that I've been posting a lot where the Bible says, Say to this mountain, be thou moved. And if you say it not doubting, it shall be cast into the sea. And I'm thinking about what a powerful thing. But the idea is if you have it in your mind that God can't, you won't approach him and ask him if he will. If you already started defeat. You've already brought Jesus down. And the whole point of what God does is to be glorified through what he does. 
And if your mind, you've already belittled Jesus of thinking that he's not powerful enough to do it and he's just another man or another religion, then you don't even know him. We start off with this relationship with God. He's, he's sitting there confronting the, the, this, this issue. The, this, this, his faith is tested because our logic sets in. Like I was saying, we, we start adding it up and like, well, the doctor said, and they're the professionals, and, you know, we go to OSU, and, well, they're thinking this, and da 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 and charts and graphs and medicine and, and doctorate degrees. And do you guys realize that God, when he's standing there saying, I do the impossible, God was saying, I'm better than all of that. That's what he was saying. I'm greater. To say, well, chemo can only go f- that far, but with God said, with me, all things are possible. I'm greater than chemo. God is greater than your finances. God's greater than the demons that haunt you. He's greater than the porn addiction that you have. He is greater than all of that. If you're struggling with the doubt in your mind, you've already taken your mind off the one that can and you put it on your circumstance. Isn't that why Peter, uh, he, he, he sunk when he was out on the water? He sat there and he's walking. He said, Jesus, and he's walking into Jesus, the, the one that's doing the impossible. When did he begin to sink? He took his eyes off Thank you, Mark. When he took his eyes off Jesus Christ. <laughs> and all of a sudden in that moment, he began to look at the circumstances around him and everything that the world has, and his mind went on the circumstances and took it off Jesus. We all struggle with this. There might be some people that say, man, my parents were divorced, my grandparents were divorced, and now I'm having marriage problems. I think it's just the way that it is. Man, my dad was a drunk, and my mom struggled with addictions and substance abuse and things, and now I do too. I think it's just the way that it is. You realize that those are lies of the devil because you're taking your eyes off of Jesus and putting them on your circumstances, your past. You've given something more authority than the God that's told us, and it grips your mind. Fear sets in. Fear is powerful. Did you guys know that? Fear is powerful. Thinking of the what ifs. Think about this. You know what fear is? Fear is, well, honey, if we don't pay this, then we're going to lose the house. And oh my goodness, what are we going to do? And I don't know where we would say, and we're not moving in with your mother. And you know, all these fears come into your mind. And you know what it is? It's your mind traveling into a place that is not yet there. Jenny puts me in check all the time with this. She'll be sitting there and I'll be talking about, but well, if this happens, babe, then we'll have to do this. And she goes, what are you doing? We're not there yet. Fear will bring us there. You know what that is? It's dwelling on something that is not true. It's a possibility, but it's not true. And, and, and fear pulls us away from prayer and trusting in God. Jesus saith unto them, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Because it's the pursuit of God, a pursuit of the one that is able to do it. The same illustration that I was saying. Do we believe that revival is possible? Yes. Amen. Praise God. Let's sing a song about it. Empty altars. Doesn't add up. God said, Faith, you have faith? Faith without works is dead. He says, I can't even get somebody to kneel at an altar and pray to a living God. I can't get you up in the morning to pray to a living God. Thou prayest in secret, thy Father which heareth in secret will reward thee openly. He said, where, where, where is all this? It's empty because something's gotten in our minds that it can't happen. It's too big, it's too bad. Jesus was saying, I break the statistics. I'm better and greater than Google. I'm greater than chemo. I'm I'm greater than rehab. I'm I'm greater than all of these things. And I believe that it could be that we don't encounter more breakthroughs in our lives because we don't believe that God can do it. We've lost faith in him. 
Because we struggle with this. We, we, we struggle with doubt. But notice what Jesus does. This is right. I, the doubt's there. It was there with the disciples. It was there with the dad. He said there with, they had a great, a great outcome. Well, that's great because God shows grace. God doesn't leave us in a doubt. He doesn't just sit there and say, well, that's the way that things are going to be. And straightway the father of the child cried out. And with tears, the Lord, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Straightway he turns and responds to Jesus. Yes, I believe this. But let me, let, let this resonate in your heart and mind as we get into this. As he turns to Jesus, he is so transparent with Jesus. And he says, yes, I believe. But I've got to be honest with you. I struggle with this. You know what that is? That's confessing your heart before God. That is being real to your God. Because the thing is, you know how much the Bible talks about confess, 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 and be honest and real and transparent? A lot of times we are, we're, we're, we're living fake lives and wanting breakthroughs. They don't go together. You have pathetic prayers because you, you are holding back doubt in your heart and mind as you do this. What changed the story? Let me show you. And straightway the father of the child cried out with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. We'll come back to that. And when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore, and he came out of him. And he was, one is dead, insomuch that many said that he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And he arose and came into the house, and his disciples asked him privately, Why? Why? Man, I'd circle that in your Bible right there because that is key to this. Why? Why could we not cast him out? He said to them, this kind can only come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. So let me, let, let me back up a little bit. The disciples do their thing. They fail. Jesus steps in. Jesus fixes the thing. He confronts their lack of belief. He confronts the disciples' lack of belief. They come and they sit down and the disciples are like, man, we've got to ask them. You ask them. And somebody raises their hand and say, why couldn't we do this? Maybe they're just like, Lord, I I didn't want to say anything out there, but I'm telling you, I thought we were the ones that had the power. And I thought that we we sang the song, Lord. We we gathered around. We held hands, God. Man, we, we raised our hand. We cried a little bit. Man, we did everything that we know to do and nothing happened. And Jesus begins to confront the real issues of what's going on in this world and what's going on around us. And he confronts this in front of them. Do you realize how powerful it is when you hit a something that you cannot get through? When you just step back and say, God, why is this not working? God doesn't leave us in the dark. God doesn't want you to lack in faith. God doesn't want you to give up. He wants you to go before him and be real and ask the question, why is this not working? I've asked that through this. Lord, what are you doing? You know what's so cool is God answers constantly, constantly, constantly. Tony, I'm doing things, and I'm working on you. And man, I tell you this. I, I can tell you I hate cancer. I hate the word cancer. I hate cancer in kids and cancer in adults. I hate it. But if I'm being honest, I can say that I'm thankful for, for what God has done through this cancer journey. I'm thankful for how it's opened my eyes to the power of prayer. I'm thankful for the, the way that it's made me more connected to my family and, and helped me to understand priorities. And, and, and as you begin to ask the why of whatever you're facing about this, the disciples ask the why. God wants to answer the why. He wants to step into your problems with what you're doing. 
The, the why in this passage was very specific. In verse 29, and he said unto them, this kind, this kind, this kind can only come by nothing but one thing. That is prayer and fasting. He, says, he said, guys, you're, you're doing this all wrong. Now, I don't know what the disciples were doing when they did this. I don't know if it was a prayer service or, you know, just repeating prayers or whatever. But Jesus said, guys, I can tell you this. You weren't doing what you were supposed to be doing. But I want to point out something in this passage. Jesus was confronting the real problem in this. Now, I I think we can kind of disconnect ourselves sometimes as we go through this kind. He was talking about when Jesus saw the people come running together, he rebuked the foul spirit. The Bible is very clear. You guys need to listen to me. We don't just wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. There is more going on in our churches and in our homes and in our school and in our nation and and in Afghanistan and with COVID and everything else than more than meets the eye. There is a spiritual darkness. There is an enemy approaching. There is spiritual wickedness. There is spiritual opposition. It is all around us. And we're walking through in a daze as Christians wanting to know why we keep getting beat up. We are at war with something that is bigger than you. God is not the author of confusion. And when you have your kids sitting there saying, I don't know if I know that there's a God. I don't know if I'm a boy or a girl. I don't know if I have understanding of what I'm supposed to do and all these different issues. That is not of God. So I ask you the question, where is it coming from? Did you guys hear me? Yeah. If, if they're battling with truth, who is the opposite of truth? If we're sitting there talking about, I don't know if I can hold my marriage back together. Who created marriage? Who is for marriage? Who ordained marriage? Who's against marriage? Wake up to what's going on. There is spiritual opposition that is happening all around us. And Jesus confronted it. They weren't, they weren't dealing with the, things, the, the, the thing that was actually happening with them. Jesus points it out. He says, guys, this kind right here. I'm going to tell you, boys, there's some things in this world that are bigger than you. There's some things that are bigger than you. There's addictions that come into our lives. There's that spirit of lust and spirit of adultery and the spirit of wickedness that comes into our life. The Bible talks about in Ephesians. Let me show you this. Let me go through this passage for a minute. Ephesians 6.10. This, this is our application to spiritual warfare. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. Let me reverse that verse and put it in this context right here. Finally, my brethren... You are weak in your flesh and you have no ability to fight Satan. That's the opposite of that verse. Literally saying that if you're going to be strong, I'm facing something that I can't get through. I can't get through to my kids. Let me tell you, Satan is a deceiver and a liar. He'll do anything to deceive them. Well, I'm going to go up against them. You can't. You can't. All of your lectures, all of your guilt trips to your kids... You dragging them in the church has no power because the Bible says be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Stop trying to break through breakthroughs by yourself. You cannot do it. As long as you're going, well, I grew up in church and I was a Sunday school teacher for all these years and I know the Bible inside and out and all this. The Bible is literally saying, yeah, and you're still facing something that is greater than you. The next verse in this passage says, put on the full armor of God. Now, I'm not preaching on this necessarily, but I want, I want to review this and say, you know what he's saying? You better, you better pick up, embrace. It's not just going through the motions of it. God's saying, I'm, I'm giving you all these things. You better grab onto your faith and hold it tight 
the shield of faith. You better grab the sword of the spirit. You better be willing to know what you have and you better swing it hard. Swing it hard at the devil because he's after your kids with lies. He's after your spouse with lies. You know what we have? I have the sword of spirit. I have the sword of truth. I have the word of God and Satan cannot come against me. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I stand in the authority and the power of God. You say, what are you dealing with? Even in my situation, if my son's cancer and Satan gets into me and begins to tell me lies, what if, and all these things, and fear comes in there, that does not come from God. Fear is not of God. Doubt does not come from God. We struggle with these things. He said, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Your real battle is not with your son or daughter. Your real battle is not with your lost spouse. Your real battle is not with your boss at work. It's not, your real battle is not with all of these things that we look at, but we wrestle against principalities, against powers. You say, man, I've never seen somebody coming out and just foaming at the mouth and all this other stuff, but man, we can see Satan working. He just upped his game. The Bible talks about it against principalities and rulers of the darkness of this world. He's the ruler of the darkness. I believe behind every addiction, there is Satan at work. Behind anxiety and depression, there's Satan at work. Behind cancer, behind suicide, behind all these issues that we have in our world around us, there's Satan at work. He loves to take anything and manipulate. The Bible even tells us Satan has come to kill, seek, and destroy. Do you understand that? What Satan does is kill, he seeks, and destroy. Anything that Satan is using is to tear you down, tear you apart, and pull you apart. So you're sitting there saying, we're praying about a divorce, or we're going through this right now. I promise you right now, God's not in that. Anytime there's division, anytime there's sin, anytime there's affliction of those types of things, it did not come from God. You better wake up and recognize where it came from. Understand what you're dealing with. Jesus exposes Satan in John 8, 44. He says, you're of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. I believe as we see the sickness and the disease and the suicide and the depression and the anxiety and all this other stuff, Satan loves to put his claws, he loves to put his eyes, he loves to put his, his, his attention and his imps all over the things that we have in this world. And he bowed not in the truth. Because there's no truth in him. Let me tell you this, when he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own. You know why? Because he is a liar and the father of it. So here it is. If you're up against the wall and you've already said in your mind there's just no way, you've already let Satan win. If you say there's no way to reach my kid, there's no way to restore my marriage, there's no way to reach the lost, there's no way where we can have revival, there's no way, there's no way, there's no way, I promise you those words did not come from God. You better wake up and understand who is getting in your head. Spiritual warfare says he abode not in the truth because there was no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own because he is a liar and the father of it. He breeds it. He breeds confusion. He will tell your kids every lie possible. And the only, only thing that we have is the sword of the spirit, the things that God's given. Notice the first thing that it says when we're reading through spiritual warfare or breaking through or standing up against the thing that pulls us apart. He says in Ephesians 6, 14, stand therefore having your loins girt about with what? 
with truth. You know, you, you realize that what he is saying in that passage, he was going there. He said, I'm telling you, you're going to get up and you're going to think there's no way to get through my kid. There's no way to get over this addiction. There's no way to get through this. He said, you better pull out the truth. This is literally what he said. You better circular around you, the gird your life, that belt of truth around you. You better have it all around you every single day because your mind is weak. Your mind will go to a lot of dark places. You better focus and think on the truth. And the truth is, greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. The truth is that there is a God that died on a cross to prove to you already that he loves you. The truth is that he, he's come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. The truth is that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. That is the truth. And the Bible tells us that we've got to work on these things in our minds. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind, Ephesians 4.23. Man, you've got to reprogram your mind because if you're going up against that and you've already given up, it means that you've given up on prayer, you've given up on God and who he is. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. He says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. And at the end of it, he says, you better think on these things. What is going in your head? And if it's Google, I'd stop Googling things. If it's going by the words of man, say, I'm sorry, I think we've done all that we can. I, I'm sorry, you're not the authority over my son's life. I serve Jehovah Rapha, who is the God that is the healer. He is the God that intervenes. He is the God that splits the water. He is the God that pulled Joseph out of the pit. He is the God that dropped the walls of Jericho. He is the God that intervened when Haman tried to destroy the children of Israel. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. I remember when my kids were little and um, there was one of the neighbor dogs that we went out, we were getting ready to go to church and we walked outside of the door and this neighbor dog just charged at the kids. I don't know what he was mad about or what. I mean, I'd never had that happen before. And I remember standing there and, and jumping in front of my kids and screaming at that dog, declaring to him, he said, get away, get away. And I was willing to do anything. I, I, I think of that as Satan's trying to get into our school system, get into our kids, make them confused about who they are, who loves them, what their identity is, all this. Man, we begin to swing that sword of the spirit at him and say, get away, get away. You cannot have my kids. Don't say it out of anger. Say it with the power and authority through the word of God. Do you have it? Do you know it? That's why we come to church. That's why we get into these things when we're studying in a church. When Jesus saw the people come running, he rebuked the foul spirits. And the authority of God says, no, get out of him. There's power in the word of God. There's power in truth. Jesus confronts their doubt. He confronts the real enemy that they're facing. But notice what he says. He says in that passage, he said unto them, this kind can only come by nothing, by prayer and fasting. Now, I'm not going to take long on this because I know just about every time I've come up here, I've been preaching on prayer. And I hope those things sink into your head. But I promise you, if we don't address these first two issues, you're already going to fall apart. If you don't have it in your mind to understand that you must get your eyes off of the faults and off of the fear and off of the lying, and off of all these Google in, in man's opinions, and put it on the one that stands there and says, I ain't do the impossible, and put your eyes off of the lean in the truth, then you're not going to approach truth. You better understand the real battle is greater than you. 
And, and the, the, the doubt and the, the, the lust and the greed and all these other sins that we have that is infecting us as a nation, has, it's, there's a spiritual wickedness in high places that we've got to address in our lives. But we have to embrace the power of prayer. You know in Ephesians 6.18 when he gives the whole armor of God, do you know how he wraps it all up? Do you know what the last thing that he says after he said the sword of the spirit and the helmet of salvation and the shield of faith and all these things that he says? The next word in verse 18, he says, praying always with prayer and supplication in the spirit. Comes only by prayer and fasting. I, I know we struggle with this and I don't have time to go into it. But you know what fasting is? Fasting is a spiritual discipline that makes our prayers focus on God. It's, it's, it's a spiritual thing that we do to, neg- to say no to ourselves. Because I'll tell you, we are so driven when it comes to our bellies. You guys know it? You guys know it right now because you're already thinking about how long is he going to go and where are we going to go to eat? I know it. Man, we're driven by our stomachs. We're driven by that. Man, you, you get hungry and all of a sudden it's like, man, I really feel like going to choose. Or I really feel like going to Outback or whatever. You'll drive there? You'll stand outside for an hour and 15 minutes to go inside to get that, to wait another 20 minutes to get that food because you're driven for that. God said, man, if you would pull that drive, that desire that you have and allow that to be for me, to pull that food out of your life and let me be the focus of your ambitions, let me be the focus of your heart. If you prayed like that for revival and you had that drive, so God gives us the spiritual disciplines to start saying no to yourself. And when you have those hunger pains, look to me and pray to me. It's a spiritual discipline. But notice what God does in this. And I, and I think this is so powerful of just the simplicity of this prayer. Because we have it like, I've got to pray down fire from heaven. And if I can, if I can just say the words to say, we try pray, praying in old English. Or we try praying for two hours and all these things. Notice what the, the breakthrough comes from this guy. Verse 24, and straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe Help thou mine unbelief. It's an audience of one. He went from debating with the, the scribes and, and the disciples and everything else. And I love that picture of him just sitting there right there. I just need you. I just need you, Lord. Tears in his eyes, broken. He's a dad, he's conflicted in his heart. He's telling God how he's conflicted in his heart. He's just like, Lord, I just need you. And I believe, God, I believe. But man, I've got a battle going inside of me and God cares about you talking about the battle going inside of you. Why are you not telling him? He wants to know. God, I stopped praying for my marriage years ago because I thought there was no hope. I stopped praying for my kids because they, they blew me off over and over again. Lord, I stopped praying for revival because we, we don't see even one person move to go to the altar. God, I've just... God, I'm sorry. God, will you help my unbelief? And we're sitting there thinking that God's up there like, man, if you just believe more or whatever. And God says, you know, the parallel passage, if you go to Matthew and the other passages, he says in that passage, he said, if you'll have faith, the grain of a mustard seed. Do you know what that is? It's not anything. It's not even something you can see. It was a direction. 
for, for, for the breakthrough came through from them going before Jesus and saying, you know, we try this and the disciples can do it and the Sadducees and, and the scribes came up and they gave me their opinion and all the noise and he, Jesus is like, hey, hey, hey. I'm the one that does the impossible. It's time you turn your direction towards me. Fasting will turn your direction towards God. It it will get your attention, especially as Americans. It will get our attention really fast. Say, I'm good till lunchtime. And all of a sudden you're like, man, man, I'm so hungry. God, let me be hungry for you. Let me seek you. I love the passion. He falls down before Jesus, and the Bible says that he cried out. Not eloquent words. It wasn't saying some sort of fancy speech. It's just like God. My son. My son. I believe. Say, that ain't fancy. Man, God's not looking for your fancy words. He's looking for you. You know how the Bible says about when I pray, go to thy father which is in secret and shut the door, go into the closet. He just wants you. Maybe you haven't had that breakthrough for so long because you're like, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. And God's saying, why don't you come here and sit down? Why don't you come and talk to me? I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with asking other people to pray. But I'll tell you what, God's waiting for that audience of one to speak to your heart. And all of a sudden you say, Pastor Tony, I don't know if God will heal. I don't know if God will save. I don't know if God will fix. I don't know. I promise you, you won't walk away from being at the feet of Jesus without having answers. You'll, have, you'll find peace. You'll find direction. You'll find a lot of things that you never thought that you would have. I'm glad It wasn't the disciples that did it. Because he would have had all that faith in the disciples. It wasn't in the people with the title. It wasn't with people like the elders of the church and leaders of this and the pastor of this and all this. It was just a broken dad on his knees, hands lifted high, transparent and honest. I believe, but help my unbelief. God, come to my rescue. The word help and compassion there. The word help means to come rescue. 